0: G'day everyone. Oh, excuse me. Sorry to blow out your eardrums. How's everyone going? Good, it's good to have you all here. Wow, we're looking pretty packed today, this is really exciting. My name's Tim, I'm one of the pastors here at Marsfield Community Church. Uh, I'm so glad you've joined us today. We're continuing our series in Romans. Uh, Hans took us through the first half of Romans chapter 5, we've skipped a chunk, we're in Romans chapter 6 today. If you uh, missed earlier in the year where we covered Romans chapter 1 to 4, you can jump on our website, uh, you can go to the sermons page there, you can catch up on all those talks so that you're in the loop. But don't worry, I'll, uh, I'll try and keep you on board today if you haven't caught up with those ones. Uh, you'll, you'll be fine. It's just, um, they're great talks. Not only because I gave some of them, uh, <laughs> but because the scriptures are so wonderful there. How about I pray and Father God, You are so good to us, to gather us, to keep us warm in this building, uh, to keep the weather away, to uh, allow us to come and hear Your Word, not only read for us and sung together and prayed through, but proclaimed as well. Father, now as uh, I proclaim Your Word, please help me speak the truth, Father, help me speak in a persuasive way so that Your Spirit might do the work of transforming all of our lives become more like your son Jesus, to turn from the life of sin and live the life of holiness which you have called us to live. Amen. I love movies, I love watching movies, all kinds of movies but in particular I love Star Wars. It's a really exciting time for Star Wars, I don't know if you've been keeping up but there's like new Star Wars TV shows, new Star Wars cartoons and I love the cartoons as well even though I'm an adult, I'm sorry. My favorite Star Wars is the original Star Wars, right? The, the original one where Luke Skywalker gets called on to a great mission to save the galaxy. And one of the things I love in particular about that movie is Luke himself, right? Luke Skywalker the hero, but at the start he's just like a whingy teenage farm boy. There's nothing special about him. He just wants to go hang out with his mates at Toshi station instead of picking up some power converters, you know, that that old thing. But what he finds out is that actually he's the son of a great general a great jedi general with great powers and was an amazing pilot and things like that and all of a sudden he realizes that he has a special power that he never realized he had there was something inside him that he never knew but then he goes on an adventure to grow in his power and defeat the evil dark lords and things like that and and that's actually a typical storyline for movies that we all love right? The, the kind of unassuming hero, doesn't know they're anything special but all of a sudden they find out something about themselves and their whole life is transformed. So, uh, another example, Harry Potter. Any Harry Potter fans out there? Yeah, a few, a few. Harry Potter is like just a regular 11-year-old boy bullied by his family, finds out he's a wizard and goes on these wonderful adventures to become a wizard or... Uh, For those uh, Princess Diaries fans out there, like every other movie someone finds out they're a princess, right? In the Princess Diaries, uh, Mia Thermopolis finds out she's a princess but she's just a regular high school student. There's something about them, something deep inside them that they didn't realise about themselves but once they understand, their whole life is transformed. Today, as we look at this passage today, Paul asks one question, he answers it twice, just in case we don't get it, he asks one question, answers it twice but the answer is, don't you realise who you are? Don't you realise that hidden deep down inside you is actually something amazing and it's going to transform your whole life so that you'll live a completely different life from now on? You just have to realise who you are. The, The real problem that Paul is addressing in this passage is ignorance. That we don't know about ourselves what's really true he starts with both answers to the questions you can see it in verse 2 and in verse 16 don't you know don't you know he's answering a question by showing us who we are so what is the question i know you're all asking that what is the question the question is simply this since god freely forgives us since He freely saves us, not by anything we've done, in fact, in spite of everything we've done, can we continue to sin? If He just forgives us, can we just keep sinning? Or even more, if God's grace is shown to be extraordinary, the more sin He forgives, should we sin more so that God forgives more and His grace looks greater? That's the question that Paul is answering today, And like I said, he answers it twice, just in case we don't get it the first time, he he attacks it from two different directions. The first time he says, don't you know you are dead to sin and alive to God? Then he attacks it the second time and says, don't you know you are free from sin and slaves to righteousness? So, they're going to be our first two points for today, Then we're going to run into some implications. But come with me to verse 1 and have a look at the actual words of his question. Chapter 6 verse 1, if if you have a Bible, make sure you keep it out in front of you, I'm going to keep coming back to it, especially today as he's teaching us something about ourselves, we really need to dig deep into what he says. So, have your Bible out in front of you. Romans chapter 6 verse 1, "'What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase?' by no means. That's a short answer, don't worry, he goes on to explain it, by no means and the question again in verse 15, what then, shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. So, let's dig into his first answer to that question and, and see that we are, we don't live in sin anymore because we are dead to sin, we don't live in sin anymore because we are alive to God, which is wonderfully good news. So, uh, come with me to verse 3, where he begins to open up this answer for us. And and he frames it by looking at baptism. He frames it by looking at baptism, which is why, actually, we read that part from Exodus, where Israel are baptised as they walk through the Red Sea. The waters on either side, they're baptised. They go from slaves to Egypt to free Israelites. So, look with me at verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into His death. Paul says, don't you know that when you were baptised, actually, something amazing happened when you believed that you were so united with Jesus that in your baptism, you symbolised a death. You died, you died with Jesus, you're so united to Jesus, you are one now, that when Jesus died, you died. When we are baptized, we're proclaiming to the world, I have died. I have died. Last weekend, I had the great privilege and joy to baptize Emma, who comes to our 5 p.m. service. And, And she went down into the water very briefly. It was very, very cold. But as she went down, without words, she was proclaiming to everyone there, I have died. And when I was baptised, when I went into the water, without words, I proclaimed to everyone, I have died. When you were baptised, when you went down into the water, you proclaimed, I have died, because we've died with Jesus. When we believe we're so united with Jesus, that in His death, we die too. Not physically, but to sin. Have a look at verse 7. Romans chapter 6, verse 7, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. We have died to sin. If we believe that Jesus rescues us, we have died to sin. It has no power over us. Death cannot control, sorry, sin cannot control us. Sin cannot have us. Our death liberates us from sin so that we are free from it, able to resist its power able to resist its full control, we can say no to sin, we can fight it and we can have victory over sin, we can have victory over sin, not perfectly this side of glory but increasingly so, we are dead to sin, we are free from the power of sin but we haven't just died, we've risen back to new life. Israel, they went into the Red Sea but they arrived out the other side, alive, renewed and so have we. And so Paul writes in verse 8, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We're made alive again, we live with Jesus, we're so united in His death but we're also united as He rose from the grave. We are one with Him in His resurrection, which is why in verse 5, Paul can say, for if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we will certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We are raised with Jesus to live a new life. The purpose of that new life is to be completely fleeing from sin, running from sin, to live a new life to honour God, And so in verse 10 Paul says, the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. If we're to live the new life like Jesus lived the new life, then we are dead to sin, but did you catch it? Alive to God. We are alive to God, free from the power of sin now, our whole centre of our universe has shifted from our own selfish desires From the things that we wanted to do, from from the things that make us rebel against God, from in fact our own rebellion against God, we did that but now we're alive to God. Nicholas Copernicus is a, well, was a Polish astronomer, he's dead now, he lived a long time ago, he's the astronomer that said, hang on guys, the earth isn't at the centre of the universe, the sun is and he drew some drawings, and he made these really complex astronomical charts, just like super dead simple. Like, you know, you send the solar system where it's just like the sun in the middle, then one planet, and another planet, it's just circles going out. Before that, there's like zigzags, and loops, and dips, and things like that. It's like, no, 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 that doesn't make sense. Actually, the sun's at the center of the galaxy, or the universe, or the solar system, or whatever he thought it was. The sun is at the center, not the earth, not us. Now, that kind of revolutionized astronomy at the time, but it also had quite significant philosophical implications because he said, actually, we used to think that humanity was at the centre of the universe, that we were the most important things in the universe. The earth was there and we were at like the top of the pecking order on the earth. But now, actually, we're just a little planet circling a giant ball of gas that's burning. It changes the way we think about ourselves. We're not at the centre of the universe anymore. Something else is. That's exactly what happens when you believe in Jesus. The centre of your universe shifts from your own selfish, sinful desire to God. You now revolve around Him, seeking to honour Him and please Him in all things. We have undergone our own Copernican revolution. The centre of our life has shifted. We died with Jesus, we died to sin. When we were raised back to life, we raised To live the life to honour God. That's why Paul can say in verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin but alive to God, dead to sin but alive to God. And so, Paul concludes his teaching about who you are, who are you? You are dead to sin, alive to God, you are united with Jesus in His death and resurrection, don't you know that about yourself? So, therefore, do not continue to sin, verse 12. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself as an instrument of wickedness. Because we are dead to sin, we live in it no longer. We don't offer ourselves to it anymore. We're set free from it. We don't continue to live in it. Another movie that I love is The Matrix. Sorry if you haven't seen any of these movies. Let me explain it to you. The Matrix is about a computer-generated virtual reality, right? What does that mean? People living in a dream world. And, And the AI computers have enslaved all of humanity to live in this dream world. And they're kind of abusing humanity and using them for resources and things like that. But a small number of humanity, they've been set free. They've come to the real world. They've been set free from the dream world. And they're fighting against machines and they're trying to liberate humanity and stuff like that but there's one character who actually doesn't want to be free his name's cypher because they've all got cool names like that cypher he's tasted freedom he's tasted freedom from that dream world where he's being abused and used but he wants to go back he wants. he doesn't like fighting the machine he doesn't like the freedom he wants to go he wants to enslave himself he wants to go back under the power of that dream world. Paul here is saying, don't go back, don't like shift back from living to God to living to sin, you're dead to it, don't go back to it. Don't reject the new life like Cypher did, we are dead to sin, we have new life, don't continue to live in sin. So, in verse 13, Paul tells us what we ought to do, I'll read the whole verse again, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. We are instruments of righteousness, we give ourselves to God as instruments of righteousness, so that God might use us to bring righteousness. We're like a hammer, a hammer is an instrument that does something, hammers in nails or makes holes in walls or people's heads or whatever you use hammers for. We are an instrument of righteousness. God uses us to bring righteousness and He does it by making us holy, which we'll get to in a moment. We are dead to sin, alive to God. That's Paul's first answer to this question. We are dead to sin, alive to God. He then asks the question again, verse 15, I've already read it, I'll just quickly read it again. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Paul answers the question again but he comes at it from a different angle. He said we're dead to sin and alive to God, now he says we're free from sin but slaves to righteousness. We are free from sin But slaves to righteousness. Now, Paul talks in this section a lot about slavery, that's kind of the image that he's using and and the image of slavery, he's not condoning slavery, he's not saying it's good in any way, he's just using an example from their lives which is exactly what he says in verse 19, isn't it? Verse 19, I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. These things can be complex and tricky to wrap our heads around So, so he gives them an illustration from real life. Now, We don't really have slaves living in our house doing things, so I'm going to use a slightly different illustration of working at a job, right? He talks about slavery because that's an illustration from their everyday life. I'm going to talk about working a job because many of us know what that's like. So, have a look at how he answers the question, beginning in verse 16. Don't you know that when you offered yourselves to someone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Or to put it another way, don't you know that when you become employed, when you get a new boss, you ha- you work for that person? You, ha- you have to turn up to work and you have to do your job there. You don't get to just sit on your couch all day anymore, no, no, you've you got to go to work. If you become employed, you work for that person, you can't live as someone unemployed anymore. Whether you are employed to sin or to obedience to God, you live the life that you've given yourself to and when we believed in Jesus for that first time, when we trusted in Him for that first time, we got a new job, we got a new boss, we offered ourselves to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm coming to work for you, I'm living the new life where I live the way you call me to live. Look at verse 17 and 18 where Paul says this, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. We have a new job, we have a new master, we are free from sin, we have become slaves to righteousness, we are set free, we've left the old job behind, we've left the old boss behind, new job, new boss, our lives have completely changed. And so, let's look at the two different jobs, working for sin, working for righteousness. Each of them has their own career path, their own career trajectory. Look with me at verse 19, uh, go to the second half, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, now offer yourselves as slave to righteousness, leading to holiness... When we were slaves, when we were employed by sin, our career path was just more and more and more wickedness and evil and selfishness and living for ourselves. Our career path was us and the wickedness that comes from our hearts. It was like being promoted in sinfulness and evil. But now that we're set free from sin, our career path is very different. Did you see it? Our career path is now holiness, to grow in holiness, that is to grow in being free from sin and grow in living the life Jesus has called us to live, to grow in love and good works. Our career path, our promotions, is more and more and more holiness. Now, I mentioned earlier, we will never be perfect this side of glory but we should be trending up, we should be moving up, we should be growing in holiness I wonder if you reflect on the last 12 months, 18 months, two years of your life, do you recognise that you've been growing in holiness? That might look differently for different people but do you recognise the general trend up of growing in holiness? There's our career paths in both jobs. We also produce something in both jobs, we work and we produce things, we're productive workers, look at verse 21, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. When we were enslaved by sin, when that was our boss, our master, our job, all we produced is what is shameful. Evil, wickedness is shameful. And that resulted in death. It's like our Christmas bonus was death. But for the Christian work, they produce something very different in verse 22. If I can find it. But now that you've been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. So, not only is our career path holiness, what we produce is holiness. We work and and we become more holy as we work. And then we grow more holy, that's our career path. God working in His Spirit through us to to bring these things about but you have an active role to play in your own holiness, in your own growth. You have to actively put your sin to death and you have to actively grow in the ways God wants you to grow. You can't be passive, you can't just hope God will do it while you're going about your normal life. The Christian worker produces holiness, And God in His goodness grows us in holiness as we seek to produce holiness. So, we've seen the career path, we've seen what we produce, lastly, the retirement plan, each job has a retirement plan. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you want a memory verse, there's an excellent one. In the end, continuing to live in sin, continuing to grow in wickedness, will result in death. It'll result in death. That's your retirement plan and and it's not just physical death that Paul's talking about here, no, he's talking about the death that comes with God's judgment. We call it hell. Jess said I shouldn't say this joke but I really want to. That's one hell of a retirement plan. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have. The retirement plan for sin is death. That's all you have to look forward to. That's all there is for you. No hope, death. But those who trust in Jesus, those who have offered themselves to obedience that leads to righteousness, righteousness that leads to holiness, your retirement plan is very, very different. Your retirement plan is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is life forever with Jesus who died for you. That is life forever with Jesus who loves you so much He went and suffered in your place. That's life forever with the God who would not even spare His own Son for your sake. That's your retirement plan, to live with your Saviour forever. And so, to summarise Paul's response here, he says, you can be employed to sin where you're just going to grow in wickedness, it's going to result in shameful things and lead to death. Lead to hell, lead to judgment and condemnation or if you trust in Jesus, you have a new boss, obedience and righteousness where you will grow in holiness as you produce holiness and that will result in life forever and the conclusion simply is this, work at your new job, don't turn up to the old place every single Monday morning, don't turn up and give your life to sin over and over and over. No, no. Live the new life where you produce holiness. Live the new life where you produce righteousness through obedience to God. Not that it's obedience that saves you. Romans 1 to 4 is all about how obedience can't save you. But now that you've been saved, we live in obedience to our great God. So there are Paul's two answers to those questions, or to that one question. Shall we go on sinning as Christians? by no means, you are dead to sin and alive to God and you are free to sin and enslaved to righteousness. So, what does it mean for you? I've got one, one thing, one simple thing, but I've got two ways of applying it, so really it's kind of two things. But the one thing is simply this, do not go on sinning, do not continue to live in sin. You might have seen that one coming, hey, If you're someone who doesn't yet trust in Jesus, if you don't know Him yet as your Lord and Saviour, here's what you need to hear today. Don't go on sinning, but begin to live the new life. Offer yourselves now to Jesus who saves you from the retirement plan of judgment, condemnation and hell. Offer yourselves to Jesus. You are stuck in sin without Him. The power of sin has enslaved you. There's nothing you can do except turn to Jesus. He will rescue you and He will give you new life and He'll put you on the path that will lead to eternal life. If you want to keep asking questions, keep exploring these things, like I said, go back and listen to the sermons on our website for Romans 1-4 to where, in Romans 1-4, Paul just really clearly explains the whole Gospel. He explains it really, really well and so, go check out those sermons. Keep coming to church, keep asking questions, whoever invited you or grab myself or hands, or someone else you saw up the front today and ask us your questions. We would love to spend time with you, reading the Bible with you, answering questions for you. Keep exploring, hang around for a while and we'll be running our introducing series again in September, October. And that's where we're going to really clearly explain who Jesus is and what He claimed about Himself and what He's done The very heart of Christianity is this man Jesus and so come, be introduced to Jesus at introducing Jesus. That's only a few months away. This is life and death stuff which we already saw today. You either have death and condemnation or life forever with Jesus. This is life and death stuff so don't take it lightly. Don't just give in to sin and walk the path towards hell. That's for those who don't yet trust in Jesus. If you are someone who does trust in Jesus, it's the same thing. Don't continue to live in sin. Don't continue to live in sin. You need to take hold of your new life. You've left the old one behind. You've had the Copernican Revolution. Live the new life. Recognise who you are in Jesus. You're not just some grumbly farm boy anymore. You're the great and powerful Jedi, but the Jedi of holiness you are dead to sin and alive to God. You are free from sin and slaves to righteousness. Again, I'm not saying you'll stop sinning altogether. I'm not saying you'll be perfect beside the grave. But you should be trending up towards holiness. You should see victory, of, victory over sin in your life increasing and growing. And over the time, you'll see you're struggling with different sins and, and as you kill one sin, you'll notice there's another sin in your life. But you will grow in holiness And then when you reach eternity, you'll be glorified, given a perfect body, no more stained by sin. But now, to grow in holiness, one thing that you can do to seriously take care of your sin, sorry, to take seriously your sin, one thing you can do to seriously fight against sin, to not just, you know, kind of push it away but to run from it in the opposite direction, The one thing you can do is to be a part of our growth groups. Growth groups are a really key part of life here at Marsfield Community Church. We gather in small communities together, we read the Bible together, we pray together, we enjoy one another, we spur one another on, all so that we might grow. That's why we call them growth groups, in case you weren't aware. And so, it's within these groups that lots of the things happen that will help us fight sin. In particular though, in these groups we confess sin to one another and we hold one another accountable. In these groups we can confess to one another, I'm struggling in this way and I need help and then we love and care for one another, pray for one another, preach the gospel to one another and then help them grow in holiness. These small groups aren't just to hang out and have fun together, these small groups are to grow us. To make us more like Jesus. If you're not in a group and you want to join a group, you can let us know on the communication cards, there's a, there's a, a button there, I want to find out more about small groups or you can come see me, I'll happily find a group but if you are in a group, it is so important that you are committed to your group, that you are there every single time it's on so that your brothers or sisters can spur you on, they can hold you accountable for your sin and they can encourage you in your holiness. Now, to do that, we need to be vulnerable with one another. We need to be honest with one another. It's going to hurt. It's going to be awkward. I've been a part of groups where I was dreading going to group because I knew I was going to have to share sin and it was shameful. They're the weeks that I desperately didn't want to go but they're the weeks I'm so glad I did go because even though I was awkward, even though I was painful, even though I was rebuked, they also preached the Gospel to me. They said, Tim, don't you know you're forgiven in Jesus? He takes away your guilt, He takes away your shame. And then they said, Tim, we're going to help you. We're going to help you fight your sin. We're going to text you tomorrow and see how you went. We're going to ask you next week and see how you went. I'm going to send you a memory verse to encourage you. We helped one another fight sin. As awkward and painful and weird as it might have been, the more open and honest we were able to be with one another, the more each of us grew in holiness. So, if you're not part of a group, let us know, we'll help you find a group. If you are part of a group, don't withhold from the people in the group. Yes, it takes time to build trust, I understand that, you can't share everything straight away, but grow together so that you might be vulnerable with one another, so that together you might grow towards holiness, that you might live more and more the new life that Christ has called us to live. And then when people open up to you, it is our job to be gentle with them, to love them by sharing the Gospel with them and to bust our guts helping them turn from sin. Let me finish with this, as Christians we are saved freely, not because of anything we've done, in fact, despite everything we've done, we are saved, yet we're not free to continue sinning, we are dead to sin, We are set free from sin, we are alive to God, we are slaves of righteousness. Live that new life. Let me pray. Father God, thank You that You have rescued us from the power and control of sin. Thank You that we are so united with Jesus that we have died to sin. Thank You that we're so united with Jesus, we have risen back to new life, centred around You. Thank you that we're set free from the power of sin and that we have offered ourselves to obedience and righteousness. Father, please use us as instruments of righteousness to grow in holiness. Father, I pray that as a community we'd be loving one another by pushing each other on towards holiness. That we would be a community that gently points out sin and preaches the gospel and encourages and helps that would be a community willing to confess with one another and share honestly so that we might grow, all so that we might all be found to have run the race and result in eternal life for your glory and not our own. Amen.